We're live. Howdy, Woo. howdy. Let's play some music. <laughs> Welcome, people, to the most popular branding and marketing show in the world. Starring Austin Frankie. And, and Steph Hammerlink. Yes. We should have some, <laughs> some nicknames like Steph the Hammer Link. <laughs> Austin Woo Punch Frankie. That's right. You know, that's right. Voila. Voila. There the we have corner. it. In the red corner. <laughs> How have you been, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yep. Nothing, uh, nothing spectacular happening. Nothing spectacular. No, you didn't do any rebrands for well-known household names or something. You know, I, I did actually do a rebrand for Coca-Cola. That was a pretty big ah, deal. So we're I, we're we're switching from red to blue now. They're gonna be blue, and uh, we decided to do a sans serif font. So hmm. I think it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be yeah. Good. I think it makes sense. I mean, it's gonna be a lot more like meaningful for people. The blue, like thinking exactly. about happiness, yep. blue sky thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, you know, some people say that green represents environmental uh, impact, but actually, you know, studies have shown that blue is more correlated to nature. So, <laughs> oh, that's, wow. that's actually, that's literally something someone told me once. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. And today we're going to have uh, more of that bullshit, of course. <laughs> Um, as always <laughs> it's not it's not like a as connected of a story as yours yours is usually very well researched it has a proper narrative as i'm in the middle of uh, lots of uh, brand stuff uh, i kind of threw together some stuff so let's hope this makes sense but right. i don't know i don't know if you've ever seen this quote uh austin mm-hmm uh, or you probably heard it in in like in startup Silicon Valley cool places. Yeah, we don't need all the cool kids. Yeah, all we the don't cool need, kids don't need marketing. <laughs> it's it, marketing is only for you know old people. I don't know, kind of old people. Right. Even Mr. Bezos uh, said <laughs> something. I have well. This. Yeah, he said it about advertising, which isn't uh, marketing is a lot more than advertising, obviously. But that's part of what we'll be talking <laughs> what do you, about today. What do you What do you think this says about Amazon now that they are one of the biggest advertisers <laughs> in the world? <laughs> this This quote did not age well. <laughs> it, it's like it slaps him back in the face, but he couldn't care less, probably. And also, oh, not no. even. Not even the fact that they're advertising, but also that like advert uh, Amazon as a platform, like you know, there's millions of people advertising on it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's painful. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> there's there's also obviously uh, the pet child uh, Apple. Does it need marketing? <laughs> of course not. I mean, it's their products are so great. Why would they? Except the fact that, you know, their pretty much iconic advertising has been a big part of their initial growth. Anywho, this is the kind of shit we see when it comes to, like, you know, product is more important. Uh, the product yep. speaks for itself, you know, build it and they'll come. 
that kind of stuff. And that, that mm-hmm. lands me on um, a very interesting article from Kirti Kirti Nair. I hope I pronounced that correctly, Kirti. But uh, she, she wrote this article on, on, um, on Wark about Tony Shokloni. And I, I thought it was a super well-written article. And it, it, it's a bit like also a bit debunking of what we do. And so I'm, I wanna, I'm gonna steal a lot of stuff from this article. So all props go to Kiri. But uh, she, she shares a <laughs> story about uh, Tony Shokoloni. Do you know Tony Shokoloni? I do not know Tony Shokoloni, but I have uh, seen, seen him come up uh, you know, in articles on, on branding and marketing, but I, they, they do not exist here very prominently at least. Oh, uh, well, so Tony Shokoloni is like poster child of um, the whole purpose movement first and foremost. Mm. I mean, they, they have this, well, it's a, actually, it's a really cool brand in the sense that, let me see if I, uh, I'll show you some stuff later, but basically it's like slave free chocolate looks very cool. Uh, the the, the right. founder, uh, Tun, was like super well known to do this like almost activism kind of thing. And so a lot of people basically said like, hey, this this brand here, Tony Chocoloni, is really like differentiated and they don't need marketing or at least they don't need paid advertising to grow. Um and, and Kirdi's point is basically uh that they they've used like every marketing lever to the maximum so they should be celebrated as a marketing success story instead of being seen as a proof of marketing's irrelevance and i, I think that's like that's that's a, a very good point uh we we lost austin but i'm, I'm gonna keep going he'll he'll, he'll dial, dial back in hopefully <laughs> oh my god this is so weird being alone in this place i hope there's people watching that's the uh, there he is again. Uh, let's just let's just dial him back in here. Assign guest one, Mr. Austin. Okay, that's weird, people. Let's let's have him uh, dial back in again. I'll go back to my screen at the same uh, b- before I go back. So yeah, um, Tony Shukloni. It's, it's, oh, sorry. <laughs> Austin's calling again. He's back. Is he back? He's not back. Uh, okay. So let's do one more time. Hopefully he'll call back. But um, he said, like, the product itself is the brand's number one marketing tool. Again, sounds familiar, right? And let's see, Austin is ringing in again. This is wonderful, right, people? I don't see his camera or anything, so basically it's not working. No idea what's going on. Can we? For the live viewers, this is fun. (laughs) I'm just going to continue the story. Um, So, yeah, same story. The product's really the the marketing. Uh, they're really unique at Tony's as they haven't spent any money on above-the-line media, basically meaning no TV spots. And they've got to number one market share in the Netherlands. And that's pretty impressive. It is indeed impressive. But the, the key interesting thing is where it comes to how this actually happened is that the brand itself, and a lot of these brands do that, we'll, we'll see that also with BrewDog and a lot of other brands, is that they basically say, yeah, well, it's because we had a lot of brand advocacy, word of mouth, the Shoko fans, we had a really differentiated position, and so on. So 
no, nothing unknown, but uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. You know what? I think it was, I made the crucial error of using Safari. (laughs) Don't don't do it, man. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, Chrome has like done all these really stupid changes lately where like it logs me into different guest profiles constantly. And so sometimes to just make things easier, I just switched to Safari. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Well, anyways, I was, I was continuing uh, while you were away, while you were away. But so basically Tony Shukaloni, you know, they're, they're saying the same thing. Our product is really what drives growth. Uh, it's because we're special, because we have this uh, unique positioning, this unique uh, story that people come to us. But uh, in reality, I mean, Tony Shukaloni actually is a great example of like the playbook of building a big brand. They're super yeah. distinctive. Their packaging is, I mean, it's lovely. It's super colorful. It's yeah. like this, this really distinctive thing, the, the typography is there also very important they're priced very expensive like they're as expensive mm-hmm. as the other i don't know montezuma and some other big brands like they're really in the expensive chocolate uh, category and so price placement product packaging all of these things i mean this is literally the four piece of of what you know what marketing is about it's pushing those levers and and that way building uh, a brand and so basically they're not escaping it or rather they're performing it really well and then obviously yes they might not be paying for tv advertising but they're doing huge pr stunts like this one where they parked a huge tanker full of coca before Bar- barry calabout which is like the I think one of the biggest uh, chocolate brands uh, here in Europe for sure. And, you know, it's kind of like this guerrilla style thing, but doing this costs a lot of money to do it. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, know this man, but he's, (laughs) yeah, I hope he's the next James Bond. I'm really pulling for it, but (laughs) his his voice, his voice. I mean, okay. uh, Maybe not paid advertising, but Idris Elba, come on like that, that, that's that's promotion for sure right i mean oh yeah oh yeah uh, <laughs> now now i will say i will say they made a crucial error because idris alba is um is it expedia no it's not expedia it's um one of the i don't know one of the hotel online hotel booking platforms has used has used him ah. very heavily recently so i would also say that that yes they paid a lot of money for him and they also made a stupid mistake yep doing so. exactly <laughs> if you want a george clooney it like own somebody that right. you can george clooney right <laughs> but so uh, uh important point here uh whenever you see like uh people saying yeah they didn't do uh, paid advertising yes obviously but f- it's not because like you didn't pay for the distribution of the content that you didn't pay to create in the first place or that didn't take you a lot of time to do like Mr. Beast yep. and his YouTube channel. Like, yeah, sure. The, the videos he made, he didn't pay to get them out there, but he, he probably spent like 10 years building an audience doing that. So it's not the same thing, but it is all part of marketing and it should be like we should be celebrating it as marketing not as the death of it one more example our good good friend um good friends tesla 
obviously, yeah, this is a success story of the modern, like, build a differentiated brand. You don't need advertising. You don't need marketing. Well, um, they have showrooms. Uh, that's millions of dollars. That's physical availability. Well, they sent a car to the moon, um, costing around four four fifty million. I don't know how much. And then, obviously, they have the PR cannon that is Elon Musk. Which not every company has. Like you can you can try to do that, but you have to have a very strong founder that is able to draw that sort of attention in. And I'm not even talking about uh, the other stuff. But yeah, Tesla, obviously. Yeah. I think in in part the problem that happened here, and and this is something we've seen, is like marketing often gets like like conflated with advertising which is a problem and advertising as such is often conflated with like paid advertising and then you have even this other thing where it's like paid social advertising and that's usually what what a lot of marketers are seen as today as like people doing paid social but that's you know that's only a very small part of the mix and and this siloing obviously doesn't help i mean it kind of, on the one hand, like now that I'm also part of a, like working at a B2B brand as like a, a brand manager, I see the need for specializations and for teams and for like diff, like product marketing is really a thing on its own. And there's content marketers and there's brand marketers and there's customer marketers. But the problem is kind of like with all these silos is that we forget that it's all this, this one yeah. thing this one discipline where we think about how we can move product and and generate revenue and profits and so on and so that's a, i think a real problem and then um yeah you know adding just adding this one here uh it's a very like i used to almost puke when i saw this because it was <laughs> like i don't know if you had this but in school it was like marketing and the four p's it was so boring right. and like even today a lot of people when they see this they like is this really what it's about but if you think about it and and i think it, it if you think about it in every moment of the day it does help you to see new like opportunities and perspectives right. so i think it's very a uh, very interesting favorite but then in come the branding people <laughs> to make things worse <laughs> because it's not enough it's not enough that like the product people and the engineer people are kind of shitting on like marketing and advertising as like hey maybe because you got a bad product but we don't need this then come right. the brand people saying oh well yeah marketing is kind of dirty it's short term it's micro <laughs> it's tactical it's uh, uh, the doing. I mean, I I don't know what the hell this thing is. Uh, it 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 has been doing it has been doing the rounds on LinkedIn. I don't know if you saw this, but yeah, you showed it to beautiful. me. I'm not on LinkedIn, but you showed it to me. It's it's beautiful, right? I mean, it's uh, branding is why branding is macro. Branding builds loyalty. Branding creates value. Branding is the being. I mean, yeah. The the, the being. being it's beautiful um but this is adding to the confusion uh that that is already happening and then oh why not go even deeper there's not not there's also a big difference between brand and branding oh, ah, I so, see. so so branding is visual <laughs> but brand is operational yeah okay so you you see where the problem arises <laughs> obviously yes, yes. just just some nice uh, some nice frameworks to show 
Um, but I think we should quit the bullshit. Uh, it's probably some spelling and errors in there. But I think we should really quit the bullshit. <laughs> Branding is a part of marketing. Marketing covers a lot. It's like, I don't even want to try to define it right here. Maybe the four pieces is as close as it's ever got to a good definition. And not yes. every marketer knows it all or even should know it all. But just being aware of like the powers, the levers of all of this stuff, I think will help us get beyond a lot of this uh, bullshit that is out there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, props to Keerti for uh, explaining it to the people, for dropping the mic and uh, giving me yep. an excuse to, to talk today. <laughs> Great. This is great. You know, I, I would I would love to hear your thoughts. I, I think about this often. Um, uh, I think about uh, people as distinctive assets themselves. So like mm. owners or, you know, um, when I was on LinkedIn, there were like some bigger, like kind of more local or regional, maybe um, the people that I saw often and that I, I remembered who they were. I remember their name, but like it would be somebody with like a crazy looking hat or it would be somebody with just like weird looking eyes. And, and so I, I, oft, I often think about like, you know, Elon Musk with this weird, you know, accent. It's kind of some, you know, mix, a blend of a bunch of different things. Probably his social awkwardness, his, you know, even his look is pretty, kind of looks like a vampire a little bit. You know, there's, there's also something, I think, I think to that. And I've been thinking about that a lot more lately, just like, you know, people as distinctive assets, you know, just literally they look mm. distinctive, right? They, they think that they're doing this thing and, and, you know, they're, they're like following all the rules that like a Marty Neumeyer or, or, you know, um, you know, Kevin Roberts or whatever might, might tell them to do, but in reality they're finding success because they just look so damn different. <laughs> so that, that's maybe something yeah. we should, we should be doing more. I mean, we look too, I know. Too, I thought about this. look too bland, yeah. man. I mean, and I think <laughs> it's do. funny, like right. even Chris Doe, he's like a very, like specific you know he has a very specific look persona yep, he does and I, I i mean it works really well for him he's really consistent yep. with it he's very recognizable yep. and i think that's really yep. like something it's something we don't think about but if we would like analyze yep. probably a hundred or a thousand like even gary v his name oh, Vayner yeah. Chuck, oh, yeah. it's very yeah. like distinctive but also the way he yep. talks his whole like yep. there's there's so much on the i i wouldn't say it's non-verbal but it is almost the purely visual aesthetic yeah. of people yeah but also the, Seth the, the yeah, yeah he's that, got seth godin's got the glasses and the bald head i mean really there there really is a lot like all the guys that are saying you don't need marketing essentially you know the gurus out there saying you don't need marketing have that are actually successful all look really distinctive <laughs> it's a yeah, uh, it's, it's a really it's interesting no uh it's a really interesting interesting observation it could be cool to, to put together like a, a book of these things but uh, <laughs> i mean it's a it's a i kind of get some of these things i i talked about today like i work at a company where product is you know essential it's engineers designers working on on this thing and i kind of get why there's this pride in like we're building this beautiful thing and we really don't need to pay to get it to people but i think it's like that that there's there's two wrong things in there one is like you don't always need to pay to use your marketing levers like what we just saw right. like if you the way you the place you put your product the price you put on it the way you promote it earn media all of that stuff is is part of it mm -hmm. but at a certain mm -hmm. point advertising 
is perfectly perfectly yeah. normal to grow there if there's a roi why the hell not i mean there's yeah. like i mean the, it's the, it's really the shortcut right yeah it's the shortcut right yeah. so you could you could become seth godin but it took him 20 years to be a name that anyone recognized right you could yeah. become christo same thing 10 15 whatever however long it took him right it took him a long time to then get enough people to know who he was so that then when he you know if he started advertising all of a sudden people are familiar with them. Right. Um, but that's the long way to go. Like, you know, Gary V will say, you should just be commenting on, you know, a, a thousand <laughs> different Twitter posts for eight hours a day for, you know, you know, 12 hours a day, whatever, for like 10 years. And then you'll be like, or you could just spend a hundred dollars on advertising and like do the same, like get the same traction that you would have with like, you know, three weeks of, of, Spent wasting your entire day commenting on Twitter posts, you know. Um, so there, there's advertising is the shortcut. It's kind of how I look at it. But there's also ob obviously everything else, and um, there's physical availability. Like you're not going to get very far without that. No matter how much you're advertising, um, you know that obviously, you know, with Tesla and some of these other examples, essentially physical availability was was how they kind of got that traction. Um, but then there's also, um, you know. The, the PR stunts that the Elon Musk, you know, he, Elon Musk almost single-handedly, you know, increases or decreases the share of crypto as a whole, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With a He's, single tweet, you know, he'll <laughs> just say this one's dead, and then boom, you know, entire, you know, huge drops in, uh, in shares. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I mean, I, I I do see a question here in the chat. Let me check. Oh, nice. Uh, so Ali nice. Muhammad Baik. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that correctly. Asked um, as an inspiring brand strategist, can I find clients or agents with aligning values as me? And then he goes on to say, by aligning values, I mean a shared understanding and conception of branding and marketing. I'm asking this because when I looked for work on the internet, it seemed like most people who were looking for brand strategists subscribe to the traditional understanding of branding and marketing, which you and I disagree with. Interesting. What do you think, Austin? Yeah. I you, think that's you, a very you, real... You're a practitioner with this vision. Yeah, yeah, How do right, you do right. it, man? What's your playbook? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you got to have those conversations with people and, and there are some people who are going to be completely closed off, but they're also, you know, if, if you are kind of, you know, showing yourself to believe a particular thing and, and you're out there, then they're not going to want to have that conversation with you if they completely disagree. But I also do think, you know, there is you know, sometimes sometimes like, you know, when I answer questions like, you know, differentiation for small brands and, and questions like this, sometimes there's just there is a negative reality that we have to accept which is that most people are bought in. You're right. Most potential clients are bought in to the bullshit, right? And so they're not going to, they're going to be convinced by it. They're going to go towards strategists and marketers who are practitioners of it. And I think that's why a lot of people, when they hear of Byron Sharp and they hear of, you know, Daniel Kenneman and they hear of some of these other, you know, Roy Sutherland, some of these other guys who are saying something and they actually believe it. I think some of them honestly just ignore it. Or maybe mm. it's consciously, maybe it's intentional, maybe it's unintentional or subconscious. But, you know, they're, they're finding success taking a, a, a Seth Godin approach because you have Seth Godin promoting it, right? That they can just point to him, right? Um, you have a bunch of, of brand strategists who are, you know, getting published on HubSpot 
just completely spouting, continuing to spout bullshit. Um, and, you know, there are plenty of you could become re- very wealthy as a brand strategist if you are a promoter of bull- branding bullshit, essentially. Right? Um, <laughs> it's, because it's the because at market. the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, many clients, you can manipulate uh metrics to show that that what you're doing is working you could just point to youtube views or or likes or shares or comments and say see this is working in reality you know it's getting a small you know relatively small effect compared Mm. to what you could have if you followed a byron sharp approach um but uh you know it's it's so easy to just kind of keep going ahead once you hear some of this information to just like say all right well i'm just going to drop my ethics in this moment and i'm just going to start continuing to say these things just because i know that i can make a lot of money from it Um, there's a reason why these these concepts are so popular it's because strategists have made tons of money from it in the past but just because they're they're really successful as a strategist just because seth godin and gary v are really successful doesn't mean that they actually found their success through the advice that they're giving Mm. and i think that's a really big disconnect you know there's gary v took over like a $3 million wine business and turned it into a 10 or $15 million wine business. He still started with a $3 million wine business, right? <laughs> you know, so there's, there's a lot. He didn't just like start from scratch with no, no money and, and no business just on t- commenting on people's Twitters, right? Or back in his day before Twitter, email. No, there was this physical strangers. store. There was a reputation. There was, right. a, there was exactly. a brand. There was distribution. Exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a, one thing I, I would like to add to that is I think sometimes like what i try to do is like is a very pragmatic way of thinking where you you look at this client and this specific problem they might be having and then you just think about the solutions and you keep this like whatever kind of framework or criticism you have in the back of your mind and and you can lean on it when you need it but it's almost like solving the problem at hand and not getting like caught up too much in it sometimes that yeah. might help you bridge this with with clients because often when you look at the reality of what you're trying to do it's it's not always that relevant like these philosophical discussions mm-hmm. and if you can solve the problem for them with the tools yeah. and the mindset you have i think that that's great but it's definitely like the, the things we're doing here like having a podcast writing your thoughts about it can help you attract the clients that that want that you want but what i've seen like even me i've been outspoken about this stuff for years i still get a lot of clients where we don't have per se this discussion about do you believe in differentiation or not because it doesn't really matter i look at their brand try to understand the problems give them the best recommendations possible but there are times when it does come up and then it's interesting to at least have some some thoughts about it have a position about it whether it's left or right Uh, i don't think this is really left or right but you know what i mean (laughs) anyhow uh, i hope that that helped uh, ali yeah, sometimes it, it goes, it, it's the macro, sometimes it's the micro, right? So like, yeah. it could be, you know, you, you're thinking as a strategist, the, the kind of path that's going to be moving forward, and you're helping them to do that, even if they're believing in particular philosophies mm. that you don't agree with, you can still help them build that brand. So a, a distinctive brand is going to be good, regardless of your philosophy of differentiation. Exactly. That's that's right. the thing. So, and yeah, yeah. It, it, sorry to interrupt you there, but I was also thinking like if if you're working with smaller brands, like most of the time this stuff really won't yeah. come up because you're working on right. basics like are we 
recognizable enough? Do we have the right message? Does the message uh, correlate with how we see ourselves in the marketplace? I mean, there's so many things that on a basic level need to be done properly. Are we reaching enough people or how are we reaching that? Like this stuff yep. is like basics 101 and whether that's like in the camp or of, of like Byron Sharp or, or the others, doesn't really matter. That's why I do like Mark Ritson's, like he, he calls it bothism, where it's like you, you mix and mingle on what the problem needs. And that's, I think, sometimes a better approach. But being outspoken about it does help. Yeah, I, I think I think as brand strategists, you know, design is really what you want to lean into, distinctive design, because at the end of the day, you can always convince somebody that your brand should look different than your competitors' brands, right? That's a really easy case to make. It might not uh, be as easy of a case to make to say differentiation is not going to be really effective long term. Um, they could easily just say, well, look, what about this company and that company and this mm, company? Yeah. And then you could you could just point right back and say, yeah, but how distinctive are they from their competitors? Mm, you know, yeah. uh, because that's always the case. All of these all of these these brands that um, that the gurus or whoever will say, you know, are masters of differentiation. They're also masters of distinctive design. Um, like, so that's like something Tony, Tony Shukaloni. <laughs> Tony Shukaloni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can uh, always the... fall back on design, you know. There was this uh, funny uh, thing I wanted to see. Uh, let me just quickly bring that up, actually, because it was relevant to what you're saying right now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, the the thing was like some, the CEO, I think, or, or this, the CMO of this company, he basically said like, we're not putting our message of like slave free and purpose on the the outer wrapper of our yeah. packaging, nor are we putting it really in our comms. We want people to discover it once they buy the chocolate. And that's actually an, a really interesting point towards like, we just have this super cool, funky looking distinctive thing. And yeah. then we tell them also about our purpose. And actually, I, I actually think that's the best way to do it and not put the yeah. purpose first because yeah. that won't probably work in that way. So it's like, I think a lot of, people actually innately understand this stuff but when it comes to like the theory and the philosophy we get lost in like yeah but they're so special because people really bought into their purpose no they bought into the colorful packaging and then hey it's nice to have to know that this is actually slave free chocolate i mean chocolate why wouldn't you want to buy that for sure but yeah it's it's like the the order of things sometimes gets a little bit confused yeah, and, and you you know you can't you can't assume that a customer is going to figure out your purpose um, uh, if you're not advertising it directly. And, and, and again, it's a mistake to advertise it directly because you will definitely turn some people off. Um, but also, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a bad idea to assume that cu customers in general, consumers are going to perceive differentiation or brand purpose or values or anything like that. Um, and so you have to have distinctive design. But if, if you happen to have differentiation and brand purpose on top of that, you know, in some ways, de depending on what type of kind of messaging your brand purpose is, like if you're if you're Patagonia and you're in the outerwear industry, no one's going to disagree with your environmental cause. Mm. Right. But if you're if you're Nike and you're like promoting Black Lives Matter. Right. When Nike's been or not Nike, the NFL is what I'm thinking of. Um, the NFL is promoting Black Lives Matter. And yet for decades they've been ignoring 
all of their black players who are getting CTE yeah. and concussions in their heads. Like you don't have a case there. I'm sorry. Like you can't suddenly be like, we care about the world when you haven't up until now. Right. Um, and also it's, it's not really relevant to the NFL. Right. Um, yeah. And so if you're in a category where, where a brand purpose is very specific to that category, then it can be relevant. But at the same time, if you rely exclusively on that brand purpose and you ignore distinctive design, then it doesn't matter how great your purpose is. People aren't going to distinguish your brand from others because that's not how our brains work when we buy brands. We're not thinking about, you know, brand purpose as a, as a first thing we're thinking about. What's the brand I know? We're not even really thinking about it. We're just, you know, gravitating towards the brands that we know. Um, if Patagonia didn't have their distinctive identity, then no one would be talking about their brand purpose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it reminds me yeah. of like, uh, it's also, I mean, category entry points, the, the idea that when people right. want to buy something from your category, they have a few reasons. Like, let's say I want a new smartphone, the, the old one's broken, or I want to take better, better pictures. These are all entry yeah. points yeah. for a category. And then making sure you're recognized when they enter that category is very important. And I was walking in this cities of, city street of Ghent, and I saw this huge, like, billboard for, like, a, a retailer of smartphones. And it said, like, something like, buy sustainable or ecological friendly smartphones i was like that's not an that's not an entry point not like a, i mean it's also not a thing i don't think i mean yeah obviously like if you think about it like smartphones like chips like how it's produced yeah. not ever is going to be sustainable but but even in without that like that's that's not the first thing that people are going to click when when they buy and and right. that's just knowing your customer and understanding why they're buying i'm not saying that there there isn't room for sustainability and all that stuff please go do that as much as we can but don't put it as like the the first thing yeah. the first message uh, to get people to buy stuff it's just not how it yeah. works but yeah yeah <laughs> i think i think a, i think a good summary of this episode is that um, you can't build a brand through PR alone if uh, you don't have distinctive design, if you don't have physical availability, and if you don't have a distinctive person behind it. You know, honestly, mm. I, I think, you, you, you know, Tesla has a distinctive design. That grill of their cars, you know, is, is very distinctive. Most brand, car brands don't have distinctive shapes or grills, right? They mm. just have their logo identifying them. So Tesla is extremely distinctive in the market from, from their look alone. Um, but also so is Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. So if you got, and, and you know, and Elon Musk didn't just come out of nowhere, right? He's, he started with PayPal. He built a name for himself. He was exactly he found success. Right. So like, of course he can start a company because he already has brand awareness for himself and it makes it a lot easier. But at the same time, from what I understand, Tesla is not coming anywhere close to Ford no. and Chevy and Toyota, right? So they're, they're still in some ways a niche brand, you know, no, a little the, bit broader yeah. than most niche brands. But yeah, the funny thing is once um, like Volkswagen and some other players started to advertise in this space, yeah. they basically yeah. uh, overthrew yeah, yeah. Tesla in a matter of two years in the EV space. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 Right. So, so yeah, I was I was curious. Like, I'm the I love this new design by uh, Hyundai. What's her called again? Hyundai. And I'm Hyundai, thinking yeah. Hyundai. Hyundai. Yeah, that's yeah Hyundai. That I'm really looking forward to see how this space will evolve. Like with the whole new EV, because all of a sudden, like the car aesthetic is like 
totally oh, yeah. like there's so much more options and i'm hoping that a lot of brands will have like more peculiar designs and hoping that will help them be more distinctive for for example this like i uh, this is super futuristic stuff like i'm i'm not sure they're all going to look the same in 5 years but it's interesting to see well <laughs> it is it is also important to note that every one of these uh ev cars has very bright led white extremely white lights all over the front of them so there's actually quite a lot uh, of um gen- generic happening yeah. right now in that market i think yeah <laughs> true true well we're copying each other that's that's the way things yeah go. right right <laughs> right <laughs> anyhow this was super interesting uh, as always and uh hope to see you in a few weeks <laughs> great sounds good take care man see you some music Bye-bye, people. Thanks for watching. Thanks for the question, Ali. Hope that answered it. And as always, stay distinctive. Stay differentiated. Show the duck. Show, <laughs> Show the, the duck. duck. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Finish. And Brad.